0: Right, thank you, worship team. So worship team, tech team, can we give them a round of applause? They do so much every week for us. So thank you. All right, so a few weeks ago, Pastor Kevin came to me and said, you know, now that I'm on staff and said, hey, do you want to preach during the Beatitudes? I'd like you to do that. I said, sure. Right, whatever you need, boss. Right, I can say that now. Um, then he sent me the passage about an hour later, sex, lust, adultery, divorce, So I went back to him, I said, really? And he goes, just looks at me and smiles. (laughs) And you couple that with next week, I'm doing the 11 o'clock, so shameless plug for next week, let's get biblical, not political, and how Christians should vote. So I told him, why not just do a talk on money the week afterwards, we'll get the big three out of the way. So, uh, but no, in all seriousness, so I I had to get the funny stuff uh, out first, uh, because it's, uh, this is going to be a pretty serious talk this morning. But as we move into this, into this subject, the first thing I want everyone to know is God's grace and forgiveness is there for all of us in all of these things. Whether it's a painful part of your past or something you're struggling with right now, God's grace and forgiveness is there for you, for you, for you. So as we, as we start here, we're going to go back, a little setup before we get in here. So we're all memorizing, right? We're trying to memorize our verses. So if I can get uh, Matthew 5, 3 through 12 up on the screen here. I thought it would be good. Let's read this together. Some of you may be getting it in your memory banks. I am going to read it, so I do not screw that up for those online and, and here. So read with me these words. Blessed are the poor in spirit So yeah, we're memorizing that, that, those verses. There's still a few cards back there for those. There's online, right? That we're reading through that. You can go online and hear, put those words in your voice as you do uh, walking or what, uh, whatever you may be doing. So again, some setup. So to, we're talking about one of the things, Tom, the last couple of weeks, it says we need to be salt and light right? It's to bring truth and love to individuals. And we'll be talking and coming back to that throughout uh, this morning. But I want to remind us of a few things, right? If you remember salt, if we look at the context of the day, salt was what people were paid in, right? It was very important back in that time for preservation, for healing. For us to be salt is to help people heal, to love them. But I'm going to tell you a little story. And so yeah, we'll see if this fits in. It seemed logical to me. So back, back in the day, back when I was playing sports and things like that, how many, how many of you get blisters? I had a blister at some point, right? Probably most of us. They hurt, right? And they hurt for a while. They keep rubbing against things. I don't know where it was. Somewhere in junior high, I figured out. So first admission, I'm an Enneagram 8, right? So I'm a challenger. I go after things full throttle, right? So I decided, I'm like, hmm, I can pop the blister, get stuff out, dump some hydrogen peroxide on it, do a little dance because it hurts. But then by the next morning, I'm good to go. Right? It takes that pain. So sometimes the truth in love is like that. Sometimes right? we need to cause a little hurt maybe with a friend to make sure that we're healing them and they're moving toward healing as opposed to off a cliff. So this morning, we're going to really be talking God doesn't want to ruin our love's life, love life. God wants to bless them. Sexuality is a good gift from God. However, like all things, it's only good within its proper context. According to God's word, the only proper context for sexual activity is within the marriage covenant. Right? But that's something we're struggling with as an American society. Right? What does God say marriage is? Well, it's very clear from Genesis 2 throughout the Bible. Jesus doubles down on it in Matthew And I'm paraphrasing, but marriage is one flesh union between two sexually different people, male and female, that's woven into the fabric of a much larger story of creation and redemption. So if I can have slide four, I believe it is. So a little analogy. Sex within marriage is like fire in a fireplace. Keep it in the fireplace and it keeps the home safe and warm. If I can have the next slide. Outside of that context, it causes untold damage to everything and everyone in its path. So in the last five, almost six years now of being a pastor, whether at Pellicorp or the last few months here on staff, I have walked with too many struggling with pornography, lust, going through divorce. It's hard. You know, as I look out here, and I know some that will be online later that couldn't be here this morning, I've walked with them. It, it, these are hard things. So as we go in this morning, I want to push into this today. But frankly, I'm going to use myself as an example. Anytime you hear a sermon, I don't know how many of you are like me, sometimes when I hear Kevin or Tom or Phil or Clayton or Kathy, sometimes when I'm sitting there and I listen, I'm like, oh, I don't like what they just said, right? It feels like they're attacking me a little bit. What I've learned to do as I go home and I kind of look in the mirror a little bit, kind of follow that feeling And most times it's maybe God, the Holy Spirit, doing a little work and convicting me of a place I need to work on. So hear my heart this morning before we begin is I want to take as pastoral approach as possible to this. But I also want to be true to what God says because I think God can bring freedom today, right? Freedom from all the different brokenness that we bring collectively. We're all broken in different ways. So please hear, there's no shame in anything that we talk about this morning. I'm not trying to bring shame, and there's no sin management. This is not about sin management. As we read through these verses, and I'm going to push that. Tom mentioned this first Sunday as we went into this, and these verses we just read were the preamble of the Beatitudes, and one of the things that stuck out a lot as I prepared for this that Tom mentioned was, blessed are the merciful. And if you remember what he said, he said, the word, so to be merciful, the world celebrates selfishness. God celebrates sincere consideration of others. That's the focus of these verses this morning. Healthy relationships for a lifetime. It's not sin management. So if I can have slide six, so kind of my sermon in a sentence is, don't let selfishness ruin your love life. Okay. Because this is heavy, I just, I just feel we, I want to pray before we go into this, so join me. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would uh, just be present this morning. Be with us and help us all do what we can't do on our own power. Lord, take away the enemy's voice of condemnation. Do not let it enter this space in our minds and our hearts, but we do ask for conviction so that you, God, will lead us, that you'll lead us into a place in a better way. Guide our discussion as we explore your word. Help us discern discern your truth. As we know, we all fall short. We are all broken here this morning, and we work to move in line with your spirit as you lead us. Amen. All right. So our verses for this morning, Matthew 5, 27 27 through 37. So if you have your Bibles, there's a few in the back. If you need those or your devices, I think we have them to be on the screen as well. So we'll start. Adultery and lust. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you, That's an important phrase as we go through all this. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Divorce. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery, and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Oaths. Again, you have heard that it is said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but fulfill to the Lord the vows you have made. But I tell you, Do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so the First of all, the natural progression. Hopefully you see it here. You know, this This was entitled, if you looked at the bulletin, marriages, right? So how that connects as we go through the morning is lust. If we lust, it moves to adultery, moves to divorce, which we broke a vow, right? So that is how these kind of connect together as we move through this morning. But as we read that, so that these first few on, on lust and adultery, there's really two sections. So I'm going to start, I'm going to spend most of the time on these four verses this morning. So verse 27 and 28. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in in his heart. So as I went and I've been preparing, going back to commentaries, going through the original Greek, as we'll go back to here in a little bit, so many times this is taken out of context. So if we go to Genesis, after you get past the sex part, this is fundamentally that we as humans eat the forbidden fruit. We do what we want to do, not what God wants us to do. And we tear apart what God has joined together. It's a heart thing. It's a selfishness thing. See, culture says it's just sex. Who cares? No harm. Do what you want to do. But God doesn't. Culture says we can be selfish. God says we need to think of others above ourselves. So this morning, whether you're single whether you're married, whether you're young, old, online, in person, sex is reserved for marriage between one man and one woman, period. Outside of that, it will destroy a current or can destroy a future relationship through shame, guilt. But see, Jesus pushes us. He pushes us more than that. So if you're, if you're like me at all, actual physical adultery, I think, hmm, yeah, I'm probably pretty good there. I'll check that box and on the sin management list and we can move on to something else. But no, he pushes into this, right? As Tom mentioned last week, those rules, the Old Testament was in, the, you know, if you think of 6,000-ish years of human history, the Old Testament, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers was for when we were toddlers as a human history. So there were black and white rules. And now he's given us the 301 here in the Beatitudes and the college courses. And he expands it. He says, no, now we move it to lust too. And I don't know about you, but that seriously affects my ability to c- keep this command. So now we're going to push. I'm going to go a little bit aside, but I think it's important we go here. DarrenW at trcpella.com. Right, I have an email now, so you can email me that. Um, good and bad. You know, you can give encouragement too. Um, pastors like that. Uh, but the pornography industry is a hundred billion dollars, over a hundred billion dollars a year. 90% of our young men, 60% now of our young women will have seen pornography before they graduate from high school. So again, I don't do umbrellas of mercy. That's not my thing. But I'm going to push here, right? And I'm I'm going to first say I'm as guilty as any on some of these, right? So, so hear that first of all. Game of Thrones, not good. Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue, not good. Fifty Shades of Grey novel, not good. The Bachelor or Bachelorette, not good. And I'm going to push a little bit, and those that know me, I'm a techie, right? I have 40 devices in my home, I counted them up, 41 actually, that are connected to the internet, okay, including our new washer and dryer. I don't know why, but it is. It tells me it beeps when it's done. So technology is neutral, and I'm a techie, but anything in this world can be used for good or bad. I hope Right? And, and again, I'm not pushing and I'm not making, saying any statements about it. I hope people have as much diligence when they give their kids these in second grade and putting Covenant Eyes or other software on to make sure you know what your kids are looking at because this is a gateway to anything. I hope you have as much passion as that as you do about a book in the library where 60 kids go maybe. Okay, enough on that. Why do I say that? Because our attitudes start with each image. For me, that image, as far as I can recall, I'm 47 now, so some of these memories are getting a little older, but it's third grade at a friend's house, I went out to use the, use the bathroom and I saw their dad watching something, that those images are forever in my mind. And that starts the slippery slope. So now, if we go from that aside back to the text, we see the next phrase in verse twenty-eight, and I'm, ch- ch- you know, it's, it, Jesus says this is muy importante from my Spanish classes, right? This is very, very important because Jesus says, "But I tell you, hey, pay attention. This is Jesus' authoritative word on the matter." And he's poking. If you look at the context of this, he's really poking at the Pharisees. Yes, he's talking to the people there, but he's poking at the Pharisees, the pastors, the people like Kevin, myself, Tom, and others. He's saying, you know, hey, you look at the outside of things. If I can have slide 12, right? You're looking at the outside of things, the tip of the iceberg, but I want to get to what's down below, what's in your hearts, what's in your mind. That's what's really matter because if you don't change those, you can do all kinds of things, and we'll talk about that more here in a second. So I want to address a, a couple things as we go into this, things I've heard people say, and I may have even said of them, I probably have at some point. Some people say when they read these verses, they say, well, you thought it, you did it. Right? I, that's not really true. So if we go back, if I can have the next slide. So if you go back to the original text, right, we're translating. If anybody's studied a foreign language, sometimes words don't translate completely, right? They just don't have the same, quite the same meaning when you move to a different language. So as I went back and I really reviewed this, there's a word that actually seems to be missing that was in the original Greek, pros. And what it means is moving toward a goal. It conveys intentionality Not just thinking about someone being attractive, but actively moving toward lust. And the word he used here for lust, and I'm going to slaughter it probably, somebody can correct me later, is epithumio. And it's used as a verb, right? So I'm going to channel our inner fifth grader here and ask you a question, right? My mom was an English teacher, right? I failed her miserably. I never mastered the English language. But a little grammar lesson, right? And English is hard. It's not always, but most of the time, what is a verb used for? Action, woohoo! Smarter than the fifth grader. We got it. Good deal. Nice job. So, yeah, action, it conveys action, and that's what it does here. It's not just a mere feeling or pastoral or just a visceral thought that comes really quickly in your mind. It's to show focus, passion, to greatly desire to have something. It's the same word that Paul uses in Romans when he's talking about the 10th commandment that thou shalt not covet. So if we go to the next slide, so the top of the next slide is the the verse we read, the original, right? I'm going to suggest the bottom is maybe, maybe a better translation. And that better translation was, but I tell you that anyone who looks intently with intentionality toward a goal of lusting at a woman with great desire and passion to have her, covet her, has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Darren, why are you saying that? Well, there is a big difference between noticing or appreciating a beautiful person and committing adultery and lust. There is nothing wrong, nothing wrong with saying, wow, that's a beautiful woman. Oh, that's a handsome man. God creates beauty. He wants us to appreciate beauty. But, but as soon as we start moving and focusing, and it's not just a visceral thought that goes through your mind and you're focusing on, moving it toward lust and sex, sexual activity, now we got a problem. And another thing that I hear a lot is, well, if you thought it, you might as well do it. <laughs> Whew. How many times have I heard that one? That's not true. I mean, think about it in a different context, right? If I think somebody's a jack wagon, right, going, and, the, and anger, and I, well, then I might as well just kill them. Well, no, the act is always worse than the thought, right? Yes, both are sin, but physical adultery is far worse than lusting in your mind and your heart. Still both sin. God points that out. All right, so what do we do? Verses 29 through 30. Um, if If your right hand causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Whoo! <laughs> Jesus does immense words there. How would you like to come in for pastoral counseling and Pastor Kevin or one of our other pastors, Katie or I or somebody else tell you those words? Well, let's we'll just gouge out your eyes. Yeah. <laughs> but see, the eye is an instrument for lusting. The hand is an instrument for stealing. Both present in adultery. So talk, talk to your neighbor real quick. Ten seconds. This hopefully is a simple answer. Does Jesus really want us to cut off our hands and gouge our eyes out? Anybody want to answer that? Do, do I get a no? No, no, yes. Otherwise, most all of us here would not have a hand or an eye here this morning, right? It's a hyperbole. So Jesus uses this Often, it's an overstatement to make a point. See, and I I, I use this, this is a good example of, you know, most people say, and I agree, we should take the Bible literally until we shouldn't, right? We have to look at the context, just like the salt, right? Most of us this day and age didn't know they were paid in salt, so we lose some of the meaning of the text. So I always tell people, read the Bible intelligently, right? Most of the time, literally, but read it intelligently. And as we see here, the Pharisees were just dealing with the external actions. So that's what what Jesus is poking at here. He's like, no, I'm dealing with the heart. I'm dealing with the heart. There's something underneath, inside of us. And you can cut off a hand. You can gouge an eye out. It's not going to matter. Those are all physical things, and it makes you look good, maybe, that you're dealing with it. But you can still lust in your heart and your mind. The other point he's making is we must be extremely diligent with sin, right? we got to get rid of it. Sin leads to hell. Yes, there is a heaven and a hell, and the choices we make or don't make are leading us in a direction. Sin matters. But again, this isn't punishment. It's to help us stay away from pain and hurt. And I'm going to bring back salt and light. Again, what does, what's the right question? What does that really look like? So parents out there, or if you've ever dealt with kids, aunts, uncles, grandparents, you know, fun neighbors, if you've dealt with kids, right, you know at a young age, there's a book by Jim Hunter that we read when I was at Pellicorp, it's about servant leadership. So even though it's a business book, it talks about Jesus because most religions recognize him, even though we say he's a savior, most religions recognize he's a good teacher and look at the following, so they use that. And it talks about hugging and spanking, right? Encouragement, Discipline. The Bible is full of that. Proverbs is full of that. Jesus does that to his own disciples. So true love, if you're in relationship to someone, sounds like this example I did with a friend of mine. It's going and telling them and putting covenant eyes on all of their devices that I can now see what they—you know—see and get a text of what they're looking at, what they're watching, and having a conversation bluntly to say, stop flirting with women at work, you're married. Because I've heard too many people say, oh, who am I to judge, right? Oh, who am I to, we're not judging. God is the ultimate judge, absolutely. But to be salt, we may have to hurt a friend for a period of time to make sure they don't go down a super negative path. I'm sorry if I can't, if that's hard, but I've just seen too many, too many friends and family hurt by lust, adultery. Divorce. Divorce. Again, progression here, right? It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you, there's that phrase again, that anyone who divorces his wife except for sexual immorality makes her a victim of adultery and anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. See, Jesus is speaking about this here again because it's a slope. If we deal and resolve our lust issues, we will most likely never be unfaithful to our spouse and thus never need to consider a divorce to break our oaths, because I can see from time we're not gonna get to oaths. Um, if you allow God to rule in your life, you will experience satisfaction and never look outside your marriage. And for those that are single or choosing singleness, Remember, the Bible says we will all be the bride of Christ, so this matters to you as well. And remember, there is grace. I want to go back to what I said. There is grace. If you've been divorced and remarried, God is God of grace and a God of mercy. But we have to look at all of context. God never approved divorce. If you look at all of Scripture, the best we can say is He allows it. Here we see that for physical, sexual immorality, if you expand and look at all the scripture for abuse, the person isn't a believer. Why? Marriages are made in heaven and God does not believe in no-fault divorce. There are always two sides. God knew that divorce would cause hurt and pain. And our society doesn't take marriage seriously. If I want to do something different, I'll just get a divorce. But that's not what God intends It's a lifelong oath and I've said that in all the weddings I have done what God has joined together let no man separate divorce is permitted but it's not commanded God always wants in all of our sin not just these but all of our sins to move to reconciliation if we can but I know as I look out this morning I've walked with some of you some toward divorce some toward reconciliation, it's hard. But we have a merciful God who will forgive and help all of us to healing in our collective brokenness, whatever that is. So I want to remind all of you, especially kids, as I've seen this and how it affects kids, kids from 3 to 65, because psychologists say that all kids, even as they're older adults, want their parents back together, outside of, you know, there's abusive situations, those are different. Can you work to put these at the foot of the cross? Your pain, your hurt. God wants to bring healing, he wants to bring freedom to this, and he can. But most importantly, all of anyone that's dealt with these needs to hear, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you and is seeking you no matter where you are in your journey of lust. So if I can have the summary slide, slide 15, please. Worship team can make their way up. So a few takeaways. So first, we have to admit we are broken, all of us, right? Whether it's this, and we're going to be unpacking anger and enemies and many other things, right? Right? God can meet all of us in our brokenness. Many, if not all of us here this morning, have some level of sexual brokenness in our past. God can handle it. Put it at the cross. Second, protect your heart. Right? How do we do that? Continue to memorize the Beatitudes and other scriptures. Put the words of God in your heart so they can come to you when you need them. A simple thing, guide your eyes and ears. Simple but not simple. Right? Go back to the simple song. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Right. If you're struggling in any of these areas, make a covenant with your eyes. Talk to a friend. Put protection on your digital devices. Have someone be accountable to you. I tell my wife, she knows all the shows I have. She can see, she can see my login and all this stuff. Again, not because I'm a bad person, but as I tell people why I lock my door in Pella, Iowa, not that I feel like I need to, but to keep honest people honest. And honor your marriage, right? The one you're in or the one you may be in, right? Date responsibly. And if you're married, keep dating, right? Are you working to not be selfish? Because that will ruin your love life. And it's a heart condition that Jesus is waiting to help all of us with. And as we move to communion, yes, God hates lust and divorce, but he doesn't hate divorced people or those that lust. We have all sinned and need God's grace, and he is showering down that grace for all of us for struggling here with anything else. And what we need to remind ourselves again is God loves you. And then remind ourselves again God loves you. And remind ourselves again that God loves you because that creates a slippery slope to truth. So what a great way to remember the grace and forgiveness as we move into celebrating the Lord's Supper.